Spiritual generations are God's answer to a broken world. Let me say that again. Spiritual generations are God's answer to a broken world as represented in Jesus' call to his first disciples and his request in his high priestly prayer. We read about it in John seventeen twenty, where he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. God didn't just save me to be saved. He saved me to become a carrier of a message that can impact generations. God saved me to promote, propagate the gospel. Why? I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power, the dunamis, the dynamite of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. God wants you and I to understand that Jesus prayed this way because he is able to do in this generation what he did in the last generation, and he can do in the next generation what he's doing right now. But he's looking for a people that are willing to be carriers of his. Would you tell somebody, I'm a carrier. Yeah, I'm a carrier of the gospel. Now, I love what Billy Graham said. He said, every generation is strategic. We are not responsible for the past generation. And we cannot bear full responsibility for the next one. But we do have our generation. God will hold us responsible as to how well we fulfill our responsibilities to this age and take advantage of our opportunities. Now, I'm going to have my wife come up and share a prophetic word that God gave her the other day. And and then we're going to continue on talking about this generational discipleship. A couple of weeks ago when we were at um, intercessory prayer uh, on Wednesday, uh, my daughter leads that. And, uh, and so before she, um, we started to pray, um, she just had an opening prayer. And that day um, she was talking about an experience earlier that she had in, in the day. And so that day um, my, um, she has a two-year-old son. His name's Daniel. And that day, being the two-year-old child that he is, and he's adventurous, he went and he locked himself into the bathroom. And she could not, he was inside that door and he, he locked it, he locked it, but he couldn't unlock it. And so he was trying to get out and she was, he was crying on the other side of the door. And so she didn't know what to do and so she was like trying to open the door. And, uh, and so then she called her husband, my son-in-law, Joey. And so he, um, he told her, cause he's like MacGyver, right? He's a handyman and he really, he knows how to open things. And so, um, he told her, um, what to do. And so she unlocked the door, but she felt like the Lord was sharing, sharing out of that experience that like just like Jesus in the book of Revelation, he stands at the door and knocks at our heart and he wants us to open up the door and we can open that up through salvation. But even when we feel unfit, Jesus, like our high priest, will always be there. He's always, he will always be standing at the door and knocking, knocking at our hearts. And so as she was sharing that, um, as we were going to go into prayer, when she was sharing that story, 
And oh, and I, I can't forget this part. This is a disclaimer. Um, don't call CPS on Janessa, okay? She's an awesome mom. And I told her, hey, don't worry about it. If, um, if my son Nathan survived our parenting, then, then Daniel's gonna survive. <laughs> but anyway, I, as she was saying that, I felt like the Lord dropped this phrase, um, into my spirit and, and what I saw and what I heard was this phrase um, that said, unlocking Daniel, unlocking Daniel. And I felt like the Lord telling me, um, just like Daniel of the Old Testament, what was Daniel? Daniel was an intercessor and he was a prophet. <clears throat> we see Daniel praying three times a day. He was fervent in prayer. but And then he was also a prophetic he was a prophet where he shared even things yet to come thousands of years ago yet to come daniel wrote these things down and i felt like the lord was saying that at this time this is something that the lord is unlocking for this season i feel like intercession and the prophetic word is coming alive and so so this is what's happening because when we have the uh, intercession uh, when we're we're praying it unlocks the prophetic and when we were in santa ana i shared this word um, because i felt like it's not just for our church but i feel like it's for the churches in the season and as i was sharing that um as i was going to share that i felt like the lord also put this um scripture and it's out of amos um chapter 8 13 and it says it says that god is going to restore his people he gives them a promise but he says there's going to be a famine in the land, but not a famine for food or water, but a famine of the word that the word would be there would be a famine that people would want to hear the word. In fact, they would travel far to hear the word, but they, they are lacking the word. And this verse just stood out to me. It said, beautiful girls and strong young women will go faint in that day, thirsting for the Lord's word. And I feel like this is what our church is, that people are going to be looking for the word of God. They're going to be thirsty for the word of God. They're going to be hungry for the word of God, but they're going to come into our church and they're going to get a prophetic word that's going to lift them up. That's going to quench what they've been dying for on the inside. And I feel like as we get the word, that's going to unlock our intercession. And if we know the word, that's going to unlock our prophetic because the prophetic goes hand in hand with the word of God and we know this to be true because there are people young people especially that in this day and age not like when I was growing up I used to go to church every Sunday I would be in Sunday school where there are young people that don't go to church they don't know the word and they don't even know who Jesus is so if there is a famine in the land there is a famine right here and right now but we have the answer and we are able to speak the words of encouragement to quench the famine we have the word of god that will unlock their spirit and their soul and get them give them a vision of their purpose in the in the lord so today i want to encourage us let's be that church let's be that one and let's believe for the promise because also the lord says that in the last days i will pour out my spirit and that old men will dream dreams and young sons and daughters will prophesy so let's believe in that promise and let's be that church
We believe as a church in generational discipleship, and this is our value. We believe in the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Exodus 3, 6, he is a God who works in our lives through different processes and deals with us according to our personality. And then we will strive to deal with people according to the stage they are at and according to their bent. So when we say we believe as a church in the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, we're saying we believe that our God is generational. The Bible tells us that He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why? Because this title of God reveals that He is the generational God. When Moses said, Who do I tell them sent me? God said this in Exodus 3.15. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Watch this. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Why did God call himself the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob? Because he wants us to know that he is a generational God. That what he did in the past generation, he can do in the present generation, and he longs to do in the future generation. That's why it is our responsibility to take this gospel that has transformed our lives and share it with those that do not know Jesus Christ. Why? Because if God delivered me from depression, he can deliver that person that's bound by anxiety and depression from their depression right now. If God delivered me from addictions, whether it was alcohol addiction, whether it was sexual addiction, whatever the addiction was, God can deliver them. Why? God is not a respecter of person. And the gospel is the power. It's the dunamis. It's the dynamite of God. And there is no addiction. There is no hang up. There's no hurt. There is no habit that God's word cannot break off of a person's life. This is why we got to proclaim the gospel. Because He's a generational God. And that's why the word says in Psalm 145, verse 4, One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. This is why you and I should be bragging about what God has done in our lives. Why? Because people around us need to know that they're not stuck forever in their situation. If they'll turn to God, God has the power to deliver them. The God that healed leprosy then is the healer of leprosy now. The God that delivered from prostitution then is the deliverer from prostitution right Right now, the God that delivered demonic, the demonic from his demon possession is a God that can deliver the demonic from their demon possession right now. And tomorrow he will continue to be the same God because he's a generational God who does not change what he's done. He can keep doing because his power never diminishes. His power is inexhaustible. He's always at the zenith of his power. He's always 100. No matter how you come, you can know he's not going to be depleted. He's going to have everything necessary to bring freedom to your life and deliverance because He's a God who is the same throughout all generations. Now, Judges chapter 2, verses 7 through 10 says, So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which He had done for Israel. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. And they buried him at, within the border of his inheritance at Timnath, Arrest, in the mountains of Ephraim, on the north side of Mount Gash. Whew. Then it says this, when all that generation had been gathered to the fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. It's one of the saddest verses in the Bible. 
That there be, within the community of God, there, there was a generation that did not know the Lord. This is why at CWC Life, we live with the conscious awareness that we as a church are always one generation away from extinction. We cannot settle on our laurels. We cannot sit on our Lord. We can't sit back on what we've experienced. We've got to be a people that is committed. That no matter where we're at right now, we're not going to sit back. We're going to press on. We're going to keep reaching others because we understand if we don't reach out, we will become extinct. We will no longer exist and people will stay in their current state because we have the answer. The answer is the message of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is like God the Father the same yesterday, today and forever so we can't drop the ball we can't drop the baton we've got to pass it on so that we will experience a generational God continuing to work mightily in our church now there's an Old Testament personality who is one of my favorites his name was Caleb and I want you to read with me out of the book of Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 through 14, says a delegation from the tribe of Judah, led by Caleb, son of Jephthah of the Kenizzite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report. But my brothers went with me frightened, who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day Moses solemnly promised me, the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever. Because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now, as you can see, Caleb says, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Today, I am 85 years old. I am as strong now as I was then when, when Moses sent me on that journey. And I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You remember that as scouts we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land, just as the Lord said. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, according to one rabbinic tradition, Caleb left the other spies after entering the promised land and paid a visit to Hebron. This was where the matriarch and patriarch Sarah and Abraham were buried. This was where they had built altars, pitched tents, and dug wells. Hebron was holy ground. And while I can't prove this, I can't help but wonder whether Caleb swore on his ancestors' graves that he would be back to reclaim what was rightfully theirs. Now, fast forward, fast forward, 45 years, and Caleb was still winding the clock with vision. His entire adult life had been, had been aimed at this singular goal, and it was almost within his reach. You can feel the conviction in his voice, can you, as he says, now, 85 years old, but now, give me this hill country. And what happened? Caleb possessed his piece of the promised land. Mission accomplished. Right? Not so fast. Because you see, we think right here, 
right now. God is thinking nations and generations. Caleb wasn't conquering Hebron for himself. More than 400 years later, David mm, would be crowned king in the city Caleb conquered. David was standing on Caleb's shoulders. It was Caleb's victory that made David's coronational coronation possible. Watch this. When you wind the clock the way that Caleb did... Your brave becomes someone else's breakthrough. Let me say that again. Your brave becomes someone else's breakthrough. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 5, verses 1 to 3, Then all the tribes of Israel went to David, notice, at Hebron, and told him, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, when Saul was our king, you were the one who really led the forces of Israel. And the Lord told you, You will be the shepherd of my people Israel. You will be Israel's leader. So there at Hebron, King David made a covenant before the Lord with all the elders of Israel, and they anointed him king of Israel. Woo! I love Caleb because at 85, he's saying, Give me this mountain. I know there's giants, but I'm as strong today as I was then. Why? Because he kept himself fit. He kept himself spiritually connected with God. And I want you to know, you and I don't have to grow old and worn and diminished and depleted and lose our spiritual influence. The older we get, God can sustain. God can strengthen. God can keep up the passion in our heart. We don't have to grow crusty and old spiritually. We can can grow more and more on fire because he's the one that takes us from glory to glory. And then if we have the mindset like Caleb, I'm going to fight the good fight of faith because I realize I'm not just fighting for me. I'm not just fighting for my family. I'm fighting for nations. I'm fighting for generations. This is why Pastor Angel tells you, California is not going to hell in a handbasket, not on my watch, because like Caleb, I'm going to fight the giants. Like Caleb, I still believe if God promised, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. I believe that includes the state of California and the residents that dwell here. There's too many settlers. I see it. Here, only two of the twelve spies believed. Caleb and Joshua. And you'll see in California, as well as in, in across America, it's only like 20% of people are really interceding. But here's the good news. God will take a remnant and He'll reproduce them in the next generation. Because what I've discovered, the next generation is not smart enough yet to know you can't believe for great things like that once you get past a certain age. No! I want you to believe with me. You see, Pastor Angel started preaching at age. 18 years of age, but I want you to know now at mm, none of your business that I am, what age I am, I'm more fired up for God now. I'm ready to take another hill. I'm ready to take another mountain because He is the generational God who can do it. And what about David? Acts 13.36 says this about David. For David, watch, after he had served the purpose of God, where? In 
his own generation fell asleep and was laid with his father and saw Christ. What did David do? Did he say, now I'm crowned king here at Hebron? That's it. I settle now. No. He kept serving the purpose of God. He kept expanding. He kept fighting so that the influence of the God of Israel could be expanded and enlarged during his lifetime. This is why we got to keep fighting. This is why we got to keep believing. Pastor Angel understands. I'm called of God, not just to sow now for myself and enjoy what I reap, but also I'm called to work at digging holes and planting seeds of trees that under which shade I will not be able to enjoy. But I'm glad to say that if I'm faithful to God and carrying out His purpose in my life and in my generation, Generations to come will be sitting under the shade of trees that I planted because I refuse to give up and settle. And I believe that there's some people here today that are saying, I'm not just living for right now. I'm living for a hundred years from now. I'm going to fight now so that generations to come will know the greatness of God like I know it today. Watch this. Watch this. It says he served the purpose of God. This Greek word for serve, hoop a reteo. Hoop, there it is. No, no. It's hoop a reteo. Notice what it means. To act as a rower. To be a subordinate by implication, subserve. What did David do? He was a rower. You know what's the problem in the church? Not this church, but other churches in SoCal. I told them that of the churches when I was over there about SoCal. But no, churches, you have people that feel it's their calling to rock the boat. Can I tell you what our real calling is? To row the boat. Instead of getting up to rock the boat, sit down and start rowing the boat. So that we can move forward. We can advance. We can reach the destination God's called us to. Be willing to get your hands wet. (laughs) Row, row, row. Work, work. What for? Generations. Generations. I told you last week to pray for me. Because I would be having uh, different things I was going to be ministering at, including I got to go to the uh, FCA group here. And then what I loved was that after I shared, the adult leader came to me and I was leaving and she said, hey, uh, do you have a youth ministry? I go, in fact, we're having a, a launching, a relaunch in two weeks, on February the, the, the 4th, we're going to launch Rooted. And she goes, well, can you send me the info so that I can send it to all the FCA students? Watch this. And this is what she said. Most of these students, this is the only place they hear the word. Most of them don't go to church. Just like my wife said, we live in a generation now in America that doesn't know about Jesus Christ. Is not connected to the Lord's house. But this is why we've got to say, I'm here. 
I'll show up. I'll share the message. Because God can use it to reach one. But watch this. Here's what I've learned. When you reach one, you reach more than one. Why do you say that? Jesus reached the woman at the well. But then he ended up reaching the men of the city after she told him, I met the man. When you reach one, you reach more than one. Why? How, do you, how, how can you say Because when Jesus set the demoniac of, of the Gadarenes free, the demoniac that had been set free said, Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus said, no, go back to your city. And what did he do? Read it in Mark 5. He went back to the Decapolis. You know what that means? To ten cities and shared what the Lord had done. When you reach one, you reach more than one. And I believe that through Rooted, as we win young people, we're going to reach more than a young person. We're going to be able through them to reach their family. I believe this, church. I believe that if you and I will say we're going to commit to be people that are carrying the message and be carriers for the Lord, and we're going to be like Caleb, and we're going to fight. We're not going to give up. We're going to reach generations. We're not going to be a church that's going to be settling at what we've done. No. No, we're going to keep our hand to the plow. We're not looking back. We're not looking back to just see what we've done. We're looking ahead to see what needs to get done. And we're going to press on. Why? Because there's more souls to save. There's more lives to deliver. There's somebody that's bound that needs to know that Jesus Christ is able to step in and turn their life around. He is able to set them free. He can heal their mind. He can heal their body. He can heal their damaged emotions. He can heal them whatever. Of whatever oppression has come upon their lives. He can do it. And so we're doing more than talking about it. We're going to be about it. Amen. It's time. I said it's time. Are you ready? I told somebody before service, my dad used to say, it takes two things. To run the ministry. In Spanish, he said it. And I'll, 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 I'll translate it. He said it. Toma fe. Y toma feria. <laughs> takes faith. And you all know what that means. It takes money. But money follows ministry. And I believe because of us working together, God is going to provide for everything we need. I know we have the workers here. And so I'm going to call... Brian Smith, and all those of you that are part of the team to make your way forward at this time. As we get ready to launch this ministry, I'm believing for fresh oil. Babe, would you get the oil? And We're going to pray in agreement for a fresh anointing. We prayed in Cutler. The Moors were there, and I prayed for Dave and Jill. Those of you that are part of the team, thank you for coming up. Anthony, would you come up? Rebecca, would you come up? Would you anoint them? Give them the anointing and join them and begin to anoint, and I'm going to pray. Church, I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray for breakthrough to happen through this ministry. I'm believing for lives. He's the master of breakthrough. He's the master of breakthrough. 
You're doing more than filling a position. God's chosen you to be fruitful in that position. And you're not standing here because you've chosen to merely to to stand here. Jesus makes it clear. You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. And I've appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so, Father, right now we come and we pray your anointing upon each of these team members right now. Stretch out your hands, church. We agree for your anointing, Father, that was like oil upon Jesus. And your anointing that is defined as the oil of gladness to fall afresh on each one of these. We thank you that the ministry is not going to be burdensome. It's going to be out of joy. Because, Lord, you've anointed your servants to be carriers of the gospel that will not return void. I thank you, Father. Your gospel is not going to return void as these carriers declare the works and the word of the Lord. It's not going to be out of duty but out of delight because the joy of the Lord is their strength. And I declare, Father, the oil of joy, the oil of gladness will cause them to be able to minister out of a reservoir, Lord, that will replenish Renew, rejuvenate God, uh, 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 bring times of refreshing in the name of Jesus. Lord, these lives are yours to make an impact. And I declare over them, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I declare generations, Lord, coming to know you intimately, personally, and most definitely, Lord. I declare that as this ministry states, young people are going to be rooted. Their roots are going to go deep in your love. And we come in agreement, God, that you're going to give them, as Paul prayed in Ephesians 3, a revelation of how high, how deep, how wide, how long, the length of your love. And they're going to know it intimately to such a degree that then they're going to be filled with the fullness of God. Your life, your character, your virtues are going to be fully developed in them. We declare that right now through the power of the name of Jesus. Now, I'm going to ask every high school and junior high that's right here right now. I want you to make your way forward and I want you guys to turn around. High schoolers, junior highers, come on up right now. Come on up. Come on. Don't don't make me go out there. I'm like Caleb. I'm as strong now as I was back then when I was 18. Come on. Come on up here, high schoolers and junior highers. Come on up here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on up here. Come on. There's plenty of room up here. There you go. Come on. Fill in the gaps. Fill in the gaps. Yeah, all right, all right. Where's my young adults? Come on up, young adults, and I want you to come around them. Come on. You guys move up, get close. These these people here don't bite. Come on, come on, come on. They don't bite. I I can tell you, if they do, they'll pay for the shot. They will. (laughs) Come on, let me have some young adults here. Come on, come on. (sighs) 
generations, 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 generations. Generations. Sister Donna Sharon, would you come on up? My wife said, get that generation up here that knows how to pray. Come on. (sighs) Let me tell you guys something. This being recorded, who cares? When I first became pastor of the church in color, I made a commitment that we were going to reach the next generation. And that meant we were going to have to change some things. And you got to know this about Pastor Angel. I'm going to tell you guys something that you might not have heard. I'm a soul man. I love gospel. I love R&B. That's me. That's what I like. But I told the team, you play what will reach this generation. And I told the church, we're going to have praise and worship music and, and style that's going to be different. We're not going to settle for what has been because we're committed to reach this next generation. It's not about me. It's about generations to come. And I'm going to sacrifice that. And here at this church, we're committed to reach your generation. Why? Because Pastor Angel was reached when I was 17 going on 18. And then I became a youth evangelist, youth pastor, and all that. And that's where my heart stayed. You know why I don't wear ties? You know why I dress like I do most of the time like this? Not to stay young or look young. You know why? I like to dress like this. Why? Because I learned this is where my heart's at. I want to be reaching as long as I can. More ground for the Lord. And more lives for Jesus. And this church is committed. This is what this team's about. And we're going to pray over you. And I'm going to ask you, some of you, you're, you're spirit filled. You've got the anointing of God. I want you to pray over this generation as well. Let's begin to lay hands on them and pray. Father, begin to stretch out your hand. Father, I pray for this generation. I pray for our youth. I pray for our young adults. I ask for your spirit, God. That you said, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. God, I'm praying for these young men, these young women to be mouthpieces for you. I'm praying, God, that they would come to know you and your word would be fulfilled. That says the people that know their God will be strong and do exploits. Father, I'm pleading the blood of Jesus upon this generation. And I'm praying, Father, for you to seal them by the Holy Spirit. And I'm praying as well that you anoint them for greater works. Greater works than these shall they do as you said in your word. I pray, God, for this generation of young men, young women, God, to be enveloped in your Spirit's power. And I'm praying, God, Raise up Daniels. Raise up Esthers for such a time as this. Uh, raise up Ruth's Lord that will say, I don't have a Christian heritage, but I'm going to change the trajectory of my family future. I'm going to be the one. 
in my family. I know my mama, my daddy don't come, but I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be the one that's going to be the difference maker. I'm going to set the trajectory of the legacy of God working as a generational God in my generation and through my life. So, Father, I pray for every one of these young men, these young women, Lord. I pray right now, by your Spirit, come. And some of them, Lord, they need your touch that transforms right now. Reveal your power to them. I know, God, there's some here that have felt a call. They have felt your call. Even some of them, Lord, have felt a stirring within. I was made for more, and I ask you right now to confirm it by the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit. Some of them need a healing right now in their mind, their heart. Do it right now, God. Just like you did it in my life as a young man who needed to know I still had purpose. I still had purpose. I pray, God, do what you do. In each one of them. And I pray that from this day forward, Lord, their lives would sow seeds that would bring a change in this generation for the good of your kingdom, Lord. We speak it over them. History makers right here, God. History makers right here. History makers. Some of them have history with you. Now you're ready to make history with them. Thank you, you're doing it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Give God praise. Thank you guys so much. You're awesome.